Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is, Oh, Brother. It is very easy to get very comfortable And if you've been single, and most people have kind of start out that way, you kind of get used to being by yourself. And sometimes it's not great, but basically it's simple, it's easy. And then you get married and all of a sudden somebody comes along and they start doing things, you know, they leave bowls out and, you know, they do things and there's this awkwardness and you're like, oh brother, what have I gotten myself into? And then you have kids. Now kids are great things, but there's an adjustment. And where you used to sleep, you don't sleep. And where you used to sleep next to somebody, now there's a baby there doing its thing. And then you wake up and there's more than you and the baby in the bed with you in the middle of the night. You know, there's just lots of old brothers that go with that. But even if you survive being single, getting married, having some kids and all that adjustment, you get cozy and you think, okay, we got three, four kids, two kids, one child, whatever it is. We've taken measures to stop this from happening anymore. And this is it. This is us. And you get comfortable and you think, okay, this is, you know, we've got our struggles, but at least it's just us. Now, in a family, sometimes a physical family, you can do that. You can shut it down. But let me tell you something about God's family. You can't stop it. And it is a dangerous thing when a church begins to turn inward and gets religious and gets away from a relationship with God and even with each other and people beyond the walls. And they just pull in, huddle up and say, you know what, this is so nice. And I've got this nice little group of people I know. They know me. I love them. They take care of me. I take care of them. We don't need any more strangers. We don't need any orphans showing up here that have nobody, don't have anybody. They're strange. They don't understand what we're about. We don't want to re-educate them. We don't want to raise any more kids. Now, churches get that way. And I'll tell you how I know that because they're all over the place dying. You know why they're dying? Because they're huddled up saying we got it just the way we want it. And what started out as a public golf course where anybody could play, no matter how bad they tore up the greens and the fairways, anybody could play. A group of people kept playing together and saying, you know, these kids are tearing up our course. Why don't we just buy this piece of land, put a fence around it and keep them out? And we'll just let certain kinds of people who we like and who understand what we're about, we'll let them in, but let's keep all these strange golfers out of here and let's have it our way. That's where a church goes from a public thing to a club. Now, how do you know if you're getting this way? I'm going to show you in Luke chapter 15. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke in the New Testament. And I'm going to start reading at verse 11. And I, for some reason, I kind of fight coming back to this chapter sometimes because it happens to be one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. And I don't want to harp on it too much, but there's no way around it today. So I'm going back to this. Now, see, it's one thing to be a church or a family where everything's cozy. But if you're the person on the outside and you got nowhere to go, And your own family, in some cases, won't take you in. And your own friends abandon you. And you're trying to do the right thing. And you're thinking about doing the right thing. And about making some changes in your life. And going a different direction. Out of nowhere, it was kind of a humorous thing. 
the phone rang. It was some radio station wanted to do an interview. So I'd been huffing and puffing, carrying stuff around a little bit right before this phone call came. Out of breath, the guy gets on the phone. He says, I need to ask you some questions. I said, okay. And I thought he was going to record an interview and that'd be it. He says, you're on the air. So all of a sudden, I don't know who I'm talking to. I just barely knew the station and boom, it's going out there. Well, this interview went on for a few minutes. I did the best I could just, you know, kind of just talking, hung up the phone and I'm telling you not three minutes later, I didn't give the number of the church, anything about the church. Someone who had heard the interview picked up the phone, somehow found the office number, called the office. I happened to answer the phone and this woman said, I just heard you on the radio. And the gist of the conversation was I didn't have a great experience with church growing up. But she says, I heard you talk about this church and I know what's going on. And she said, you know, I've been looking for a place to go. This sounds like just the place I'm looking for. I'll try to be there Sunday. What time do you start and where do you meet? Now, guys, let me tell you something. There are people by the thousands, by the thousands, scattered sheep out there. People, some who are Christians and just gotten away, got sucked out to see the undertow of life just too strong. They got pulled out. And there are people who just doesn't know anything. And I'm telling you guys, don't make these assumptions. And one of the reasons you say, well, why does he say so much? And, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, everybody knows where Luke is. Some people don't even know what Luke is, is in the Bible. They don't know if it's a book of the Bible. They don't know there are books of the Bible. I've said to people before, turn to Luke 15. They don't know that their chapters have numbers, that the chapters have verses that have numbers. And we assume so much and leave so many people out. You say, well, they should know that. This is America. It doesn't matter that it's America anymore. There are people every day around you. They didn't grow up in church. They don't know what Sunday school is. They don't give a rip about this. All they know is their life sucks and there's nothing solving it. And we make these assumptions and we get cozy and comfortable. And I keep trying to break it down myself and say, God, what am I saying that doesn't make sense to people? And I'm using church words and God words and things. And I just think in this subculture of Christianity, everybody gets it. They don't. And especially the lost, the dying, the suffering, the people out there who think if they went to a church, nobody take them. You have no idea how much courage it takes to even walk in the back door. People that drive up. I've had conversations with people that drive up, stop outside, and get so freaked out, they drive away, go to have lunch, and can't come in. It's too much. And we come in, and we see each other, and it's great, and it's cozy, and there's nothing wrong with that. But keep your eyes and ears open. You see somebody you don't know, say, Lord, give me sensitivity. Let me forget me for maybe an hour or two on a Sunday and find out who these people are, where they're coming from, because it probably took great courage to come alone if that's how they came, or even if they came with a friend, it took some courage. And they're coming in trying to say, well, will these people love me? And I've said this over and over. The scripture says, by this will all men know that you are my followers if you have love one for another. And when visitors come in here, they don't listen to what I say and how we sing. They're watching you. And they say to themselves this, if these people, they don't know they're even saying it sometimes, but if these people really know God, they're going to love each other. And if they can't even love each other, there's not a chance in the world they're going to love me because they don't even know me and they claim to know each other. So they walk in and they sit somewhere and they watch and they go, you know, do these people care about each other? Because maybe, just maybe, if they love each other, whether they're black or white or Hispanic or rich or poor, Asian, whatever they are, if they can love each other, there is a chance that there's a place where somebody will take me in and love me and I'll belong and somebody will help me move down the path. Now, see that we don't have anybody but that. 
Because see, everybody in here was an outsider at some point. And it's a dangerous thing to get an insider mentality. Now I'm going to read through this story. And whether you're the person that's coming in or hearing this message as an outsider saying, can I penetrate this shield? Or whether you're the person on the inside that may be starting to put up the shield, let's find out. Luke chapter 15, for background, there's three stories in this chapter. One about a uh, lost sheep, one about a lost coin, and one about a lost son. And I'm going to read through the lost son one and get to the, the older brother at the end of it. Chapter 15, verse 11. Then he said, this is Jesus speaking to some sinners and some religious people. Of course, the religious people were the sinners, but that's how they're categorized. Then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. He said, I want to execute your will now. Tired of waiting for you to die. Give me my money. I'm out of here. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living, riotous living, this wild thing. He's out there. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I am starving to death, I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants." There are people out there today just like this. There are people in here today just like this. They're thinking it. They're praying it. They're rehearsing it. They're saying, you know what? And I spent an hour and a half with a guy who I've been tracking for four years. And this guy calls me. And I don't know why he calls me. He said, well, I just wanted to come chat with you. I said, let me tell you something. The day I sit down and chat with you, you're in trouble because I don't care anymore. He said, you know, we get into these conversations. I said, look, I'm not going to chit chat with you. I said, you're screwing your life up. You're going down the tubes. You know it. I know it. And I love you enough to sit down when you call me. And I'm going to tell you that because you got one life to live and you're screwing it up. You say, well, that's pretty cold and bold and to the cut to the chase. You know what? If I talk to you that way, it's because I love you. And it's breaking my heart to see your heart be broken and where it's going to end up. You say, well, it's none of your business. Let me tell you something. It is my business because I am your brother. If you are a sister and brother in Christ, and if you're not, I may be a little more gentle if you're not even in the family yet, but I'll try to warn you as best I know how, because I see too many people wasting too many lives. And this guy said, well, man, you know, here I said, look, you called me and you're listening to me. And I said, I pray you call again. And he's trying, you know what? He's trying to re-enter the atmosphere. He's trying to get back on the planet. And he has gone so far out there. He said to me, he says, you know, I think I've gotten so far away. You don't know what I've done. You know what? It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. If you still have any inkling of a desire to come home, you better get up and go home. Now, our responsibility as a church, since the father is not on the planet and Jesus is not on the planet except in his church, people filled with the Holy Spirit who make up the body of Christ. Let me tell you something. This is home. When they show up here and the body's here, there ought to be a body of people who turns and faces these kids who are coming in, these people, these adults, these hurting people, and we see them and we go running down the path like the father does here. Let's keep reading verse 20. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. 
Now that's the picture of the father greeting people that are lost, that are coming back, or his children that are coming home. That ought to be what the church is about. You say, but I don't like that person. He smells bad. This kid didn't smell good. This kid didn't look good. He didn't get all cleaned up to go home. He barely made it home. And people come in here with pierced stuff, tattoos, smelling bad, whatever you think they shouldn't have or do have, and, and, and you've got all these preconceived notions. You know what? Forget it. Don't look at them for what you see. Try to say, Father, what do you see? I want to see them the way you see them. I want to love them the way you love them. You say, well, so-and-so comes in. They shouldn't be wearing that, and they shouldn't be talking like that. You know, don't judge people by what they say or what they wear or what they do. It's an indication of who they are. It may be where they are right now, but it doesn't mean they can't change, that God can't change them and move them along. I mean, I hear horror stories about churches where somebody comes in, they're not dressed properly, and they get bounced. The last thing you ought to be worried about is what somebody's got on or what they smell like or whether they can talk the church stuff. This isn't a club, guys. This is a public course where anybody's welcome. Now, if you come and you don't like the book, you're not going to survive long because I'm not backing off on this. But I'll speak the truth to you in love. You're going to get a balance of that. And everybody who comes doesn't stay. But we will take you in. We'll love you as much as possible. So this father runs down, falls on his neck and kisses him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, he interrupted his son, bring out the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let's eat and be merry. Let's party. We got another one. And these people that think Christianity is about being drab and dull, somebody, we had the Lord's Supper. The way we do it, we have a dinner, sit-down dinner, and people share. And then at the end of that time, what Christ's death and burial resurrection mean to them, what's changed about their life. And then at the end, we take the bread, drink the cup, and we go home. And a guy who was there came up to me after it was over and said this. He said, this is better than drugs, alcohol, any partying I've ever done in my life. Because there's peace, there's tranquility, this is a party. So you say, well, I think Christianity's boring. Then you've never partied with Jesus. And you say, well, I don't need that. Well, just remember, one day it's going to run out. And you need to know there's a place and a person you can run into, and it will run out. God wins or you die. That's how this deal works. And you will never win till he wins. You will never live till he lives in and through you. It just is not going to work. He's not going to allow it. It just won't happen. Now, it's all exciting so far. Bring the fatted calf, 23. For this my son was dead. He's alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to make merry. Now, here's where it gets dangerous. Verse 25. And I want to focus on this. There's an older brother who stayed. The older son, it says, now his older son was in the field and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. And I've already gone over this before. Maybe you remember, I know how you get near a house and hear music, but I don't know how you hear dancing unless somebody is stomping in the house. Okay. They are breakdancing. They're doing something. Something is going on in this house. There is such a party going on. And by the way, in this story, the father is God. The lost pagan tax collector sinner is the younger brother, and the older brother is the religious Pharisee who stayed with the father and worked and did the right thing, but hated every minute of it. And some of the most bitter, angry, critical, whatever word you want to use, people I know are Christians, religious people. Whether they're Christians or not, just religious people who will bounce you out of church, out of heaven if they can, if they make it, because they don't want to be around just anybody. So this older brother, he hears music and dancing. They are getting down in the house and he comes toward the house. Verse 26, 
And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. Why didn't he just go in his own house? People like this, now listen, religious people don't want a party. And if there's a party going on, even in their own house, they won't get near it because they don't want to celebrate. They got nothing to celebrate. He wouldn't go in his own house and find out what was going on. Now, if you're listening to this and you're hearing this and you're feeling this, this may be you. And you come to church and everybody's excited and singing and clapping. It's all exciting. You say, oh, I don't want to do that. You're going to be bored to tears in heaven then. Because in every one of these stories, they equate it to here's what happens on earth. There's a party here. But in heaven, the same thing happens. All heaven breaks loose when a sinner gets saved, when somebody comes home, when a lost son is found. Whether religious people get it or not, that's what goes down in heaven. All heaven breaks loose. There is nothing that excites God more than seeing someone who's lost come home. And if you've got his heart and I have his heart, then when somebody comes in, I'm telling you what, guys, they're trouble. And the same hand that I can spend four years with somebody trying to get them in and, and, and help them and encourage them to do the right thing. The second they make a decision to come and do the right thing and get involved and get connected, you know what happens? All that undertow that was pulling them out starts pushing against them. And all hell breaks loose. And I can go around this room today. I don't have to leave the room. And I can spot you and tell you, you're getting clobbered. You're trying to do the right thing. You're trusting God. You came home. You're doing it. You're getting tempted to go back out there. You know it doesn't work. But the pressure is so great. The friends are so convincing. And when you're under stress, somebody says, hey, how about a hit? How about a drink? How about, you know, let's just go to this deal for lunch. You know, you have to live here. Just go party a little bit, man. You need a break. You need a break, you need to go home. You need to go to heaven, not out there somewhere where it didn't work to begin with. Look at verse 27. The answer from the servant. Your brother has come home, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. And what does he say in verse 28? Oh, brother. Great. The scumbag little brother is back. Took my money, the father's money, and went and wasted it. Now he's back here and dad is throwing him a party. Isn't that just like my crazy dad? See, there are people on this planet who are religious and claim to know the father, but they don't like the father. They don't like how he thinks. They don't like how he treats people. They want him to crush the sinner. The Old Testament father, they want this God in the Old Testament that sometimes is depicted as just destroying people. And people want to pray that, oh, God, destroy those people. There's no mercy. There's no grace. Their destruction's coming fast enough, guys. Pray God have mercy on their soul. The father in this story is saying, you know what? Forget all that. Forgive the kid. He's home. Let's move forward. But the big brother, verse 28, he was angry and would not go in. He would not go in the house. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. Now, isn't this awesome how the mercy goes to the younger brother and to the older brother at the same time? The father said, fine, you want to miss the party? You stay out there. No, the father said, I'll come out and talk to you. That's how far it reaches. And he comes out to this religious guy depicted here, the older brother, and says, hey, what are we doing out here? He goes out and pleads with him, verse 29. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. See, it's all about work. You want to find somebody that's religious? I'll tell you what they talk about, how they work for God. I've been working for Jesus. I'm so tired, I'll be home soon, Lord. I'm working for you. Oh, woe is me. Pray for me, I'm worn out. Let me tell you something. If you're working for Jesus and he's working in and through you, there's rest in that. If you're really doing it in the Spirit and doing it through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus doing it, you can be working your tail off and be refreshed at the same time. It isn't going to tear you down. It isn't going to wear you out. There's rest in it. 
Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment. I kept all the rules at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat. You've killed a fatted calf for this, you know, piece of work, little brother. And you never even killed a goat for me that I may make merry with my friends. Number one, he wouldn't have let it happen. He didn't have any friends to party with in the first place. All his friends were a bunch of deadbeats anyway. Didn't have anything to party about. But as soon as this son of yours, he's not my brother, he's your son. As soon as this son of yours came who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, and I don't know where he found that out, and that's a whole other sermon I've mentioned before. I personally think the older brother had trouble with sexual stuff because he was judging his little brother for being out there with harlots. He hadn't even talked to him, hadn't even seen him. How would he know where he's been or what he's been doing? My interpretation of this is that the older brother had been at home keeping all the rules, but lusting in his heart, wishing he was out there where his little brother was, doing what he thought his little brother was doing, but wasn't necessarily doing that at all. He's been out there devouring your livelihood with harlots, and you killed the catted fat for him. <laughs> Let's read verse 30 again, because it's not exactly what it says. <laughs> but as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. There you go, that's what it says. The living will is executed. In this case, in the Old Testament, there are two boys. The oldest son got two-thirds. The youngest son got one-third. The youngest son took all his and spent it. The father had nothing. He had blessed, he had given everything to his kids. So the older son owned the ranch, everything on it. The father was just still alive and had some reign and rule on the ranch and could do what he wanted to. But literally, this son, all that I have is yours, it was accurate. Verse 32, it was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Now there's two kind of old brothers in here, and it affects us right now and in the days ahead. You either look at the back or in Bible studies, whatever we do, small groups, and somebody walks in and you go, oh brother, here we go again. Or you look at them, and especially if they're a believer, you go, oh brother, this is where you belong. You say, but they've been out there sinning. You know what? Anybody's out there sinning, screwing their life up. They're not having any fun, so don't be jealous. Don't think you're missing out. There's nothing to miss out on. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I got person after person, chair after chair, they can stand up and say, you know what? That's right. It doesn't work. Been there, done that. It does not work. And I think we're at a point in our church and any believer can get in this spot and you say, well, I don't want to be around those kind of people. You just bring me somebody you think Jesus doesn't want to be around and we'll kick them out. And you bring me somebody you don't want to be around. I may understand that. But see, my contention then is you don't want to be around you, not them. Because once you find out that God loves you and then you realize, oh, if he can love me, then maybe I can accept and love myself because he's accepted me. Then if God loves me and I can love me, then I love my neighbors myself. It's hard to find somebody you can't love. Now, at first glance, and this is usually the case, the people you dread the most, you meet and go, oh, brother, oh, my gosh, this is going to be terrible. I know what's going to happen. This guy's a loser. This girl's so screwed up, this is going to be a nightmare. You know what? Those people, when you give them a chance, end up being the closest friends you've ever had. Because you get out of the way and you let God love them through you. And you ask Him to show you who they really are. Everybody's in trouble. Everybody's, some people just got different camouflage. Before Richard comes back to wrap things up for us today, I'd like to share a couple important things with you. Let me encourage you to take a minute and check out our website, richardellistalks.com. You'll find today's talk right there in the talks page, along with all of Richard's messages. You can even forward them to a friend so they can hear them too. 
You'll also find the prayer wall to add your prayer requests, a link to connect with us, the contribute page for you to be able to give to this ministry, a radio station finder, all our social media links, and much more. So check it out, richardellistalks.com. And Richard's back now to wrap up today's talk. Now today, I want you to think about this. And I want you to start looking and praying and saying, God, is everything okay this way vertically? Is everything okay internally with me? And am I seeing people horizontally in this relationship the way I should? Or am I getting a little cocoon? Am I getting a little safe? Am I hesitant to invite certain kind of people? Because I don't think, oh, I don't want to mess with it. I don't have time for that. Because see, the bottom line in this, guys, is every one of us were out there until somebody took us in. Every one of us. And every day you live, you pass by people, you sit by people, you drive by people, you live by people who have nowhere to go. They don't think anybody cares. They don't want to die in some cases. They just don't want to live and they don't know what to do about it. And you have within you hope, truth, Jesus Christ. And he is the way, the truth, and the life, as the scripture says. And if somehow you don't communicate that to them, they're not going to make it. But they've got to see it in you before they're going to believe it. And that's the challenge that we have. You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talk sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.